Welcome to the Human 24 Live On Form podcast. This is a conversation with the people we have encountered and met across our lives. People who have and are still inspiring us with their journeys, an ongoing pursuit to fulfill their potential. Experts in their given fields, legacy builders and people who strive to perform at their very best every moment of every day. We dig into their hows, their whys, what fuels their purpose and what their ingrained daily habits are that ensure structure continues to defeat chaos. We hope you enjoy. Okay, so today on the Live On Form podcast, we are joined by Mona Nemma, uh, the Liverpool Football Club Head of Nutrition. Thank you for joining us. And how are you, Mona? Thank you for having me. Lovely to meet you. Splendid. So, so this is, it's, it's a relatively new position that you have in the grand scheme of things. So you, you served as a chef and a nutritionist for the, 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 the Germany under-21 national team for about four years. You were appointed Liverpool's Head of Nutrition uh, and joined the club from Bayern Munich in 2016, I believe. And Jurgen Klopp has been quoted saying that you were one of his most important signings. So I'm, <laughs> a, I mean, I'm not going to make you go red or, or anything like that, but that's, that's an incredible mantle and an incredible thing for a manager of a club to say. So, I, I mean, you know, how did he get into nutrition and, and, and was the intention always to to work with performance athletes or football clubs? Was there a, a, an interest there from your end? Well, it's actually interesting because I'm probably not the most normal nutritionist in the world, if, if that makes sense. <laughs> so um, my story began that I studied being a teacher for nutrition. So nutrition always played a massive role. I grew up in the countryside. My grandma had a farm. So there was always like a really natural connection towards the different seasons, how to grow things, um, to care about things, um, learn things, make jams out of like berries you find in the forest, yeah. like all these bits. So there has been a really, really natural uh, bond together with that. And um, it was always amazing for me um, to gain knowledge and also to transfer knowledge. So I've really enjoyed this little period where I was teaching kids around nutri nutrition right. and um, also connecting theory and practical things. I think, and um, there is hardly a better field around the nutrition where theory is the one thing, but actually how things end up on the plate is the other thing. And I think making that interesting, making that attractive, play with like flavors and colors and uh, textures and all these things, it's just like incredible. It's more than just food intake. <laughs> and, uh, and it is an interesting approach. And, it, and it's, it's a little bizarre that it isn't an interesting approach because this is just the fundamentals, right? You know, I guess a lot of the stuff you're talking about there is the, is the kind of stuff you teach kids. You'd be talking about colors, you talk about seasons, you know, what's seasonal produce, you know, where's it came from? And I think anybody from kind of a farming background or a, you know, a group in the countryside or anything like that was kind of privy to that anyways. And then, and then you've carried this over and, and, and it's remarkable because you've carried it over to, into professional sport. You've, you've carried it into elitism in many respects and, and, and trying to get and kind of squeeze that extra little bit of performance out of these, these elite level sports people. And, and it's this, this holistic approach. And, and I've read a, a few sort of things uh, as to what you've stated and said, and obviously bits in your book about this, taking the theory into a practical application. And I know from my background and, you know, dealing with clients and, and, and nutrition and things like this is that 
one of the most challenging aspects is that practical application, is that thing of, you know, you're dealing with people who probably can't cook. You're dealing with people who don't know how to source good quality food. You're, you're dealing with people who think it is just a bunch of numbers. And and it's, you know, you've just got to tick this box and that box and you should eat more vegetables and blah, blah, blah. So so that approach that you've brought to professional sport is, is incredible. So do you want to just tell us a little bit more about what that kind of role looks like and how it's evolved and how you've made it your own? Because you have a very different approach to anybody I've ever spoken to in this particular field of nutrition and professional sport. Yeah, so um, it's actually very, very interesting because um, the job role has grown naturally, naturally towards the demand around the team, around the team performance, around the team travel, around the team facility. So actually anything what is happening around the team. Um, so over the years, and I'm, I'm really happy that I can say that it's over 13 years now in elite um, football. And over these years, there was first of all, um, a really big openness towards that topic, towards that field, towards that profession in a way. And, um, and I think we all know how massively nutrition has changed um, the last 10, 15 years. So now we have adverts on, on television about like, eat healthier, make better choices, save the planet, all these bits. So I think that's just like um, amazing to see how mindset has changed and how um, much more importance that complete topic gets, um, how much more interest people are having towards um, eating a bit healthier, whatever healthier might mean, because that's a really big word yeah. in, in that context. Um, but also Corona has um, not helped in, in that context, but people want to have a better immune system, want to have more resistance towards like catching a flu or cold or this or that. Um, much more people are sitting in home offices uh, where homeschooling is taking part and there still should be some, like some lunch on, and but the breakfast is not tidy. No so, all, so I think the the current situation explains just like so easy why nutrition has such like such an amazing and big influence um in our daily life and um especially around a football team we are very very blessed that we can work um in, in that field as well and also around these amazing colleagues and the amazing support of like our ownership for example like helping to create a complete department Jurgen Klopp um has given us massive support and belief and trust um, to fulfill all these like little jigsaws they are around the team where we can fill in where we can deliver support where we can um hopefully make a tiny bit of a difference and it, it football's evolved massively i mean even even just in, you know in my lifetime it's been i remember you know professional footballers used to go out on a friday night no on a not on a friday night obviously saturday but they go out on a weekend you know, they'd finish their game, they'd go out drinking. You know, I always remember I, I grew up up north and, and you know, we quite often go out in Newcastle. And on a Saturday night in Newcastle, you'd always see all the Newcastle players. They were all out, partying, drinking, blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, you see what's happening at, at and again, I'm not sure whether I'm allowed to mention the, the United word, but, you know, Ronaldo, all of a sudden now all these players are looking at what he's doing and going, wow, he takes care of his nutrition, which, which to me is it's alien to think of somebody who 
their entire career, their, their, their income, their longevity in a, in a particular career, such as football. And football is such a short career span, really. It's a lifespan that you, you know, and all of a sudden you've got these players who are lasting longer than theoretically they should because they're looking after their nutrition. They're being healthier. And, and like you said a moment ago, is that that healthy word, people, there's this misconstrued perception of what it means. But in performance, it's a massive thing, right? And you might just go health and people kind of brush it off. I mean, football, footballers 10 years ago were, were eating fast food, McDonald's, and it was just an energy demand thing, wasn't it? And, and do you still encounter this where, you know, players are just, they, they just want to eat whatever. Uh, you know, we we actually lived opposite a professional footballer not so long ago, and the amount of delivery drivers turning up <laughs> was mental. It was, you know, it was a youngish lad, clearly probably didn't cook, you know, and actually when he moved out, the the, the landlord uh, lived next door to him, and he actually said, he said, he said the cook the cooker in the kitchen was never used. It was the, <laughs> the so so you contending against all these things. So you know, you've came into this club obviously with a pedigree from Bayern Munich, right? So you've came in uh, and how was that met by all these professional sportsmen who, who wanted to just maybe just do their own thing or whatever it might be. And you come in and start talking about healthy food and colors of vegetables and things like this. And I just imagine them just going, nah, not so much. So how was it? How was it, how was it when you first sort of rolled in there? Or, or maybe a Bayern, right? How was it there? Because, that was even even longer, you know. It was it was you know. How was it met by players? All of this conventional sort of nutrition stuff. I, I think you you have touched on that just before. So I think the the mentality um, is changing massively. So when we when we look yesterday, the Ballon d'Or, uh, when we look at these amazing elite footballers. So if we go through them, they have been nominated. They all have a very, very high um, perception on like, what can I do to make the difference? What can I do for prevention? What can I do to get another half a year, another year, another two years, another three years, another four, four years, five years? And funny enough, that has started probably like uh, the last five, six, seven, eight years ago. And these are role models um, where we can actually see that caring about your body makes a difference. And um, nutrition is the one thing, but also what all our colleagues are doing in the medical department and the fitness department and the rehab department and team operations, travel, anything, what can make you better, what can support your performance, what can support your performance levels and the interesting bit is we probably can't break down what like the secret recipe is because oh, yeah. we with so many different individuals, different ethnicities, different age groups, um, different languages, different anything. So um, different upbringing, different education. So there is so much behind it. Um, where it's just like so excellent that we can focus on one specific thing, nutrition. And um, I think that's another word, what is just so amazingly huge towards what is nutrition. So if you look at my job role, um, of course we feed the boys and hopefully <laughs> the best we can. 
But um, all these bits in the background, what is happening towards body composition measurements, all the scientific data, we, we, we do microbiome investigations, like oh. all this like where you think like, oh my good God. <laughs> um, so it's not only just the menu for a hotel where we all stay overnight together. Um, so we have so many different types of fields. Um, we, we're trying to touch on and we try in um, a very holistic approach. Um, and based on everything moves so quick in football. Um, so we also have to move really quick towards our knowledge, how to gain more knowledge. Do we um, gain knowledge only towards reading books or attending university lessons or conferences? Or are we also like creating our own knowledge towards what we experience, what we see? Might not always be like evidence-based, but you still create a feeling. And I think feeling is a really big thing in nutrition as well. You need to have a feel for people as well, um, a feel for moods. So uh, when you win a game, it's like the best, isn't it? It's just everyone is bouncing and it's, it's superb. But um. What about if an unlucky injury is happening or if the result is not, not good enough or um, we all affected towards different circumstances. So and um, sometimes it's also that your family is just on another continent and you might need a little bit of like soul food <laughs> to feel a little bit more happy. And um, that's just and that's probably also an amazing difference we can make having a department, having a full-time position and working for such a fantastic um, institution and organization like Liverpool Football Club. I mean, you, you've, you've very loosely touched on a huge amount there with respect to the consideration. And, and again, you talked about, the, you know, the ability to, to communicate and have people skills, right? Because I think one of the things that lacks in the world of nutrition and, and just coaching in general is that, you know, you can have all the skills, you can have all the science, you can have all the background, but ultimately if you can't communicate this to people or or, or almost acknowledge what they need, it, it becomes, and, and you know, you define it as that feel, right? Is that, you know, you need to know when a player's a little bit down because they're, you know, they're missing home or whatever it might be, or their family or, and all of these things. And there's so many considerations. And, and you know, I noted that so when you book, you, you mentioned about, you know, you take care of the chefs, the, the, the quality of produce, so, you know, sourcing produce. I mean, it's an enormous role, this. And I hope you're not doing it all on your own because, because it, <laughs> it is enormous. I mean, all the stuff that you touch on, you know, uh, the menus, the daily menus, whether, you know, whether it's match day, whether it's the day before match day, whether it's recovery, whether you've got somebody who's injured, whether you've got somebody who wants some, uh, you know, food that, that that's kind of more... Uh, I guess, culturally suited to them. Uh, you know, you've got all these different things that you've got to consider. I mean, it, it sounds like the most epic buffet that you could ever imagine. <laughs> you've got everything possibly going, but there is such a huge management behind it. I mean, just, just a single person managing their own nutrition is a challenge because you've got to think about how are they acquiring the food? How are they making the food? How are they preparing the food? How are they with time? Have they got to consider their evening meal has, has got to be with their family and their kids? You know, and you've got all these factors. So what does what does kind of a day in the life of you look like? You know, so, so when you're dealing with individuals, groups, whatever it might be, what does a day in, in, in your role as head of a nutrition look like? 
So that's probably also like why this job is like so attractive for me as well is because not one day is looking the same, except probably a match day and that's only based on like pre-match because that's always on a set time and then there is a certain departure point so that's probably the steadiness uh, what we have and um, like when I started I start it was simply more in a chef's role like starting to travel with a football team and trying to make sure like food quality that no one um, sits on the toilet or anything like that. So that was like how it all um, started. And nowadays um, it's a massive team effort and I have an amazing and really big team behind me. And um, we, are, we are growing um, towards our demands, what is like fantastic to see because yeah, um, it will be quite challenging um, to do that all on my own. And um, I've, definitely couldn't deliver that performance just on my own so I have like um, amazing colleagues in the, in, in, in the back um, they are supporting our philosophy and um, they're working like so 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 hard um, to achieve every day like this amazing um, food and entertainment strategy <laughs> around nutrition. So how does it start so so you know on a, mo- on a morning so you're consulting with so you're a chef as well right? Yes. Right. So, which I guess helps. It's, you know, it's, you kind of get a good hold on, you know, what things are going to take and what, what a challenge are going to be to make or time-wise or whatever it might be. And I noted that you, you also said that, you, you know, on occasions you'll do cooking lessons for the players or their players' wives or, you know, their partners or whatever it might be to, 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 to factor in this home life. Because obviously you don't, you don't have them 24-7, right? You know, you're not there. You're not. You're not waking them all up in a big dorm and going. Here's a prepping. You know, eat that. And and you know, there is a lot of variety and there's a lot of management outside of the time that you're probably with them, right? Because I'm guessing that you know uh, they're at the the training ground most days, right? And you've got control of kind of that situation. But then, what happens when they leave? So I think one of the big things is um, and. One of our approaches is that we try to deliver knowledge around product quality, what to do when, what is the product doing in your body, which benefits um, are there if you do this and this and this. And um, we start, um, so when you're an elite player, when you're a first team player, you, um, it's a tiny bit different than when you're in, in the academy. Yep. So about... So uh, we have an amazing nutritionist, Tom, at the academy. And about five years ago, we have started a curriculum towards age groups where we have like, like, like at school. So when you're in year three, these are the targets you have to learn through the year to go to year four, for example. Okay. And uh, so that's what we have started about five years ago. And we can see already like, such an amazing difference to when we look at um, U18 players five years ago, they are probably in our first team. So, so is that like an educational program that you, that you, it know, is, you yeah. talk about knowledge? So you're, you're giving this foundation knowledge to the, because again, I mean, you know, people are involved with football from a very early age, right? And yeah. uh, they might be in the academy at, at, at very, very young. So you're giving them this, this base knowledge to reinforce, I guess, the, yeah. you know, what, what comes later, right? Yeah, and um, the kids for uh, the kids are our main priority, but also like parents, house parents, our uh, cooperating schools. So towards 
Um, well, if you look at the U9, U8, U11, um, these kids go to school the whole day and then they might come from almost like all over the Northwest, I believe. And then they're sitting in a transfer for 90 minutes just for training and then another 90 minutes back home. And then the day started probably quarter past six and then the day ends a quarter past eight. And in between was a lot of learning and, and, and teaching and everything. Um, so for us, it's really important to support around that and to give like advice, to give ideas, how, what to do, how to structure the day around food. Also our, inter our international academies. So, um, and that was also one of the reasons why we thought it's, it would be so nice to create a book uh, where we can actually empower and enable people to get a little bit of a taste what we are doing. And um, yeah, for us, it's important to share. For us, it's important to motivate as well. And um, we see us in that context also like a big role model. So we know that um, especially our first team players and also our academy players they are making such amazing appearances um and the first team um match days like curtis um that's that's just like fantastic also for the city to see um what football can do what what change we can make and it, it, just that sharing and all i mean there's, there's always been this kind of you know, in sports science and, and, and elite level sport, there's always been this kind of, you know, there's certain things we do in the background that we're not going to tell everybody <laughs> about. And, and, and what you've done in, in your book is, is you've gone, look, this is kind of what we do. Obviously, there's a very interpersonal thing. And this is always the challenge with nutrition, isn't it? You know, I, I, I wrote a nutrition book eight years ago, I think it was. And, and it, was, it was all about, again, application. But, you know, it's this one size fits all scenario that people are looking for, aren't they? Every, you know, average person out there is sort of, you know, what do I do? Give me that blueprint of what you do. And, and, and I think, you know, when you, when you pick up the book, you sort of realize that there's this, there's a very subtle sort of difference between different people. There's, there's, there's kids, there's adults, there's people at different levels of maturity. There's, there's cultural differences. There's all of these variables that you talk about in the book and all these, the, these things that you've been talking about today and and how do you take all those on board and how do you manage them? I think would probably be the word it's management of somebody's nutrition, right? And, and, you know, you've got Academy players who are going, they're leaving the training ground. Like you said, they've only got a short period of time with you. Then they're going to school and at school, they've got peers around them. They've got all these people who, and if they're not a strong personality, I guess they're being, you know, they're, they're sort of, we're going to McDonald's for lunch. You know? <laughs> and, and you know, what, how do you manage that sort of thing where, and peer pressure, even in adults, right? We know this in adults, it's, you know, you, you get a, you know, a couple of the players are a little bit rebellious, whatever it might be, even, you know, they're, they're 19 or 20 years old in that kind of stage. And, and they, they just want to go and get KFC or whatever it might be. So how do you manage that? Do you, is that a, do you base that on that foundation of knowledge and just go, if we educate these people enough, they'll make the right call they'll make the right decision rather than you going, you mustn't do this and you must do this. And, and, and you don't come across as the sort of person who would be like, <laughs> you cannot do this. And you, you must, <laughs> it, it seems a very kind of, we're going to, we're going to facilitate and empower these people to make their own call. All we're going to do is we're going to support it with the, the, the necessary tools, I guess is the, is the way to put it. So is it, is it kind of like that? Is there, is there, is there a real, 
kind of struggle back there where you get certain places you're like, oh my God, it's them again. And they're eating this, they're this. <laughs> and we can't stop them having a beer or, you know, whatever it might be, you know? So how does that, you know, do you get that challenge? Is that, or is this, this foundation that's been going on for five years, right? So we have always handled it the same way. And it's like um, empowering people with knowledge to make decisions. And I think it's very important um, to leave a certain kind of responsibility to any individual in that context. So, and um, based on like the, the solid base of knowledge of education is there. So even if they would decide to stop at this specific restaurant with this golden M on, um, it will be all right. So it will be all right because they make the decision in that context as long as they know what to do afterwards. So, so that this can't be like just a routine. And um, I think the interesting bit is they feel it. They feel a difference and um, they will make this decision on a, on a specific purpose. But like they, they won't go back there just like for the next meal so and sometimes it's um i think we need to take this 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 naughty finger of of of, of nutrition because yeah. i think that has happened for far too long it's a tiny bit like the naughty sweet cupboard where you say to kids you are not allowed to open that one you just turn around and what happens the cupboard is empty yeah, yeah. And, um and i think that's the important bit what we need to do to make this topic attractive so to go the other way around in, instead of like telling off and whole grain and more vegetables and all these things it's like yeah. open this topic up make it interesting make it tasty as well so um especially when we think about we both have a solid knowledge around nutrition, I would say. But if you think you don't have really like big knowledge or you're probably also too young to understand a lot or you think like, oh my God, I'm told to do this and this and that. Um, the best way to teach around nutrition is because it's, it's appealing, it's tasty. Um, and it's like creating a certain kind of trust towards what you can find on the buffet. Uh, we can't just like, pray different things and then it's not on the, on the buffet for yeah. example so there are a lot of like little bits where we have super super great tools to make it just so approachable make it so just easy so um and for me it was always very very important to um not just provide consulting duties from like on a Thursday from two till four. So um, for us, nutrition consulting happens on the corridor and on the way up to the airplane. So it's not that you book in for a consultation. It happens in between when the question is just there, when you walk past the office. Um, so, and that makes it so so nice and easy because it's not just like this theoretical process where you open your folder and then you see our ah, data first and all these things. So for us, it's a very interactive um, progress and um, and the buffet and the dining room helps massively just to provide um, 
this solid trust of like what is available yeah and, it, and also it's that you know that you mentioned there about kind of how stuff tastes and how it's prepared and all those different things and i think people have this perception don't they of what a nutritionist is going to do to them is you're going to you're going to sit down you're going to tell them all of, yeah you're going to you're going to you're going to sit down you're going to tell them your your age your weight your height your all all these rudimental things and then and then they're going to write on a piece of paper you know what you're going to eat at specific times and in what quantities and blah 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 and it's this 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 boring you know we have this ongoing joke about the chicken and broccoli scenario right it's going to be a piece of piece of steamed chicken with a piece of broccoli right which is possibly the most horrendous meal in the world but but if you can make the chicken tasty and you can make the broccoli tasty and then you add a bunch of other stuff to it all of a sudden it starts to become appealing right you know and it's it's that it's that challenge and i think there is that perception that you've just just sort of mentioned about you know when you consult with players i think you know if, if it's the general public they want this i want you to write a list of what i've got to eat and in reality we know that that's only going to last as long as the list isn't boring right you know which is what people get bored in a week right you know so so that variety and 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 i notice in a lot of the stuff that you've written and a, a lot of the stuff that you mentioned about this having this variety so when you do you prepare that menu yourself or is that something that you work with the chef's site and you go look we've got this amount of vegetables this amount of protein this amount of fats and and i want you to put them all together do you help with the construction of those things or is that something that you liberally leave to the chefs or is it are you part of that process uh, it's, it's a massive team approach to, towards things so um I, I have simply decided that we don't live in a seven day week we live almost like in a four days week because yeah. we live in like match day minus two match day minus one match day match day plus one and then we start okay. and so and, and therefore we have different requirements around how we tailor the menus towards like refueling recoveries yep. and all these things so it's a massive team approach for us um and and it's not only the menu itself it's like normally we have like a topic of the week either it's like a fruit or a specific vegetable um and we run that all over our dining room so the first thing one the u23 is one plus the academy so for example it's pomegranate or something like that and how does that look so so you're saying you run this knowledge how does this look is it like signs everywhere do people get little cards with how does, how does it work <laughs> So there are little stations around and then we try to integrate these things in our menu plannings as well. And for example, pomegranate is a very wintry thing, isn't it? Um, and then uh, we have like, uh, sometimes it's on, on the TV, there are like little things I'm going on the TV in the dining room. Oh, there's like a little station. So now and again, there's like all the different varieties of sugar. So when you have like your... Um, molassi and the dark ones and the cane one and and all and the different types of honeys and agaves and all everything yeah. what you what, what you can get around and that's super interesting because players and stuff they're stopping so we are also trying to educate my staff our staff um that they can tell stories so and it's it's almost like when you go shopping and someone wants to promote something and you stop because sounds interesting um because it it just yeah um and that's what we're trying to do to just when you walk past to just pick up a tiny bit of knowledge a tiny bit of information a tiny bit of like aha uh -huh, that's interesting i didn't know that 
um, and using these things as well to actually present. So, for example, how much sugar is in this? How much sugar is in that? What might be a better choice? Is honey really the better choice for you? So, um, just going a bit into into that. So, widening widening up the the horizon around uh, no horizon you call it here, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, and that plays a massive role for us um, to have this interactive approach to, to make the dining room not only um, like a canteen, if that makes sense. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. like for us, it's a playground. It's an interactive learning experience. It sounds like something you go to at the science museum. <laughs> and, 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 and what fascinates me about this is that is that this would be in my view, and this maybe is where your, you know, your background lies with dealing with kids, right? Is this, yeah. this is almost what in my head, I would perceive the ideal scenario in schools or in, you know, in any facility that is, is looking at feeding kids, because I, I, you know, much like you, I'm sure we probably concur on this in that it's this lack of knowledge, you know, we're three, three or four generations behind now in the, in the, you know, people used to home cook food, everybody used to deal with produce and blah, blah, blah. Then all of a sudden it's just that, well, not all of a sudden it's sort of slowly filtered away to now more processed stuff and blah, blah, blah. And people want convenience. And it's kind of gone full circle a little bit now in that you can go into a supermarket and you can buy relatively fresh ingredients that have been put together in this almost like TV dinner scenario that you used to have where it was all processed and would last 12 months. But then, then, it's, but then you've got these, these generations that you're dealing with you know, players that are coming through at 20 or whatever it might be, their parents didn't know anything about nutrition, you know, and they were probably that part of that generation that was processed foods and fried foods and, you know, whatever, just eat whatever you can and go on a fad diet, you know, 12 months a year. And and then before that, so how do people embrace this? Do they, do, you know, are the players stopping at these, these stations and stuff? Because these are big characters, right? I'm guessing, you know, they're big characters. They're people who are very in charge of what they, they, they do. And then, They've got this little station that explains about pomegranates, for example. Are they very conducive to it? Do they do they take all this in? And do you ever ask them questions? And go. So we taught you last week. <laughs> you stop them on the plane stairs and go. So which is the best sugar? For refueling. Can you still remember? <laughs> how does it? You know, I just find it intriguing. I'd love to see what that dynamic looked like because these are people who are. And especially kind of older players, older players will be like, mm, I don't want to embrace this. But it, but like you've said, you've been doing this for five years, right? You know, with the with the educational stuff, and even longer as a, you know, a practitioner. So it's 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 that you know it's taken them a long time, maybe, but they they now embrace it. And they go, oh, this part of our world, this is what we do. We have an amazing atmosphere at, at the training ground. So, um, and that is actually mind blowing because. From an outside point of view, we, it, might, it might appear that it's, it's like looking up to this like amazing elite footballers. But we have a very, very humble and a very um, easy way to deal, very respectful. But um, I would probably declare it as like a really quite flat hierarchy, if that makes sense. So um, 
And that makes it even easier for us, like to have such an interactive approach, such just like easy conversations. Um, and we spend more time together than we actually do with our families based on like the travel, the overnight stays in, in hotels and just simply about the fixture calendar. And um, we know so much about each other. So therefore it's, um, it's not even like, hard it's just like so this easy conversation stay on going like oh, i stayed interesting and it's it is as normal as in every group there will be people they're a tiny bit more interested and there are people they are just interested let's let's say yeah. like that um but based on that it um there is we try to have a lot of repetitions in it so if we do or if it's about turmeric or about ginger or about hydration about anything so to play it through these days that it actually that's my experience so when you have this repetitions around ah oh, you find it here you find it there ah oh, i've heard about this ah oh, oh, look it's on the tv as well it just sticks easier in your mind um I think that's very, very important. So if it's just a one-off and you would have a little leaflet there, probably it would probably not get the attention. But because it's like a weekly thing, it's just simply there. Um, we also have our monthly newsletter, what is going out to all the parents and also to all our colleagues and Chapel Street and in Anfield. Um, so we, tr yeah, we, tr we try and mobilize um, information around nutrition performance healthy lifestyle um yeah sometimes it's also the food trend what might be around um vitamin d big thing at the moment yep. isn't it yep. getting dark so little reminders they can help to support because at the end we all perform so this performance nutrition it's that interesting because it's so related to elite sports isn't it but at, at the end we all go to work um parents rise raising kids um, we exercise um big day at work um we are doing just a podcast um yeah so performance happens everywhere so and everyone needs fuel that's that's pretty much it. You stated that like we'd stated it. I mean, we, you know, we talk, you know, Human 24, we talk about performance. We talk about this big performance narrative is that everything is performance, right? You know, spending time with the kids is performance. You know, we talk about brain waves. We talk about light exposure. We talk about, you know, sleep patterns. We talk about nutrition, obviously. And, and, and all of this is, is this, this performance, right? And it's this performance narrative that, that you have and that embracing of an individual to go up. Everything is about performance. Therefore, my nutrition, which I do all the time, has got to play this massive role. And 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 I think, you know, my biggest question out of all of this is, is this, how do you get people who almost push back against it? But by the sound of it, you've covered that with a culture. You've created this incredible culture and you said about the hierarchy in the in the place and and everybody seems to have respect for everybody's significant role. So you've got you know, somebody can ask you a question, they can ask the chef a question, they can ask whoever a question, and ultimately most people have probably got the answers because you've educated them to that extent. I mean, it is really is a fascinating approach, and it's something which isn't just, like you say, isn't just elite sport. It's, it's, it's everything, right? It's, you know, the average person out there needs that education in the same way. They're just maybe not in an enclosed environment like, like 
you are with the players where you're spending so much time together that everything just falls into this synergistic way of working, which is, which is incredible. So based off that, so nutritional priorities, what are the, what are the things that you prioritize with, with players, with elite sports? And, and I'm guessing you're probably going to then say it's the exact same for everybody <laughs> else, but, but it, you know, is there a kind of nutritional priority? So, so, you know, we'll go back to those sort of rudimentary and those basics that people are always questioning. Like people are always questioning about carbs. People are always questioning about protein, <laughs> fats. What's good? What's bad? What's ugly? What's you know? And and how do you approach that with with the team, with the players, with individuals, with with everybody? You know, how do you approach that? Do you do you give them a certain amount of protein they need to hit? Is there a certain amount of carbs? And you talked about that four day week where obviously there's post match day. So if we're talking about somebody who's performing, so our community, let's say somebody does a triathlon on a Friday, you know, what does their Saturday look like? What's the refueling? What's the, you know, inflammation, the, the recovery, the the stuff that you're working with the physios when you've got somebody who's injured? What are the things that's kind of stack up or change in that dynamic? So, so first, it's massively important to actually understand and read the player. So first of all, yeah. so that's why body composition measurement um bone density, all these things play into that. So that gives us a theoretical understanding, then players position, all these things, then there are like all this modern world um, data collection processes around GPS and acceleration, deceleration, heart rates, all these bits. So, and theoretically these data helping us that we could calculate exactly what needs to go on the plate. But it's not that easy just to calculate. And um, they're all like these amazing papers around. They have like um, kilogram body weight per this, per that. And um, you have like your average evidence around carbs and protein and fat and this and that. Um, and that gives us a really, really good guidance towards things. And then we have our nutritional approach towards hydration, food and eventually supplements so our, our philosophy is mainly based on like food first philosophy so yep. for us food product quality all these bits that's why it's so important for us to make food interesting because you can have like a, an amazing buffet set if no one walks into the dining room <laughs> and they might stop on the way home somewhere then there is a little mistake and happening. that's something you got to massively prevent i'm guessing right is that is that you know that you've train your ass for 90 minutes on the on the, on the, <laughs> the field and it, you walk in the buffet and you've got you know all this shriveled up vegetables and lettuce leaves that are covered in you know brown bits and and it, you, you you picture it right it was always you know the worst looking stuff was the stuff you should be eating you know and then everybody goes for all the brown stuff you know and it, i'm talking kids school buffets here but 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 it you know you don't want them to walk in there and have all this wonderful food to then go right I'm, I'm just going to stop at McDonald's on my way home. And you don't want them to do that, right? So, so to prevent that, you you've got to that's got to be palatable. It's got to be flavoursome. It's got to be tasty. It's got to be all those things, right? Yeah. So that's our our field. Then we have to perform on that. So that's where our performance. So that's how yeah. wide performance can go in that context. So that's our performance. What we need to deliver, and we also need to deliver it in that certain way. That um, it's the same. You move house, and there's pizza place on the on the corner, and um, you walk in, order your food, and it's either like 
wow, nice. Oh, that's cool that we have like such a great space, just like walking distance. I'd say, thanks. Um, that was a um, nice experience, but probably not for me. Um, and that's the thing, especially with food. Um, so you can't just miss it too often, if that makes sense. So it needs to be right. It needs to be right in a consistency as well. And um, especially when we have, um, and our, our season is planned on like this quick turnaround, let's say, let's say it like that. So um, therefore, um, good planning, the right philosophy, creativity, innovation, always something new, inspiring, motivating. So all, all these things, they all go together in just like filling a plate, <laughs> yeah. if that makes sense. Um, and yeah, so therefore for us, so we calculate a lot of databases and softwares and all these bits, they're helping us. But then obviously um, the performance in the dining room, front of house, also like so, so important having this, we have our two wonderful girls in there, Caroline and Carol, and um, they are just like giving it such a, a heart. They are like um, the center of the training ground in, in, in a way. And um, they are they're just amazing because they are almost like, like it feels like a family with them. And um, yeah, and, and that's just like so beautiful um, to see because if someone is there and said, all right, all right, love, <laughs> how are you today? <laughs> um, asking about the kids, just like the, the normal things. Um, yeah, and that gives it such a hearty feel as well. Um, and that plays into our philosophy also quite a lot. So having this family approach, feeling so close together, um, sharing almost everything <laughs> um, and especially when you know each other so well you can hardly hide anything and sometimes right. you want to talk sometimes you don't want to talk but at least you know you're always in a safe environment it's always trusted it's always confidential it's always private as well right. and um, yeah I'm sure we would love to open up the training ground sometimes more more often just to actually give people the chance but we need this little homey feel. We need this private space, um, this confidential space where we can prepare for performance and also uh, perform in training and around match day recovery and anything that needs to be done to be ready. For so, what kind of so what kind of metrics are you playing with here? So, so you said about data. So data collection, things like body composition, you know, you've got the GPS stuff, so you know what kind of mileage people are hitting and, you know, how many times of sprinted, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, some of this data is incredible. And then you've got, you know, the things like heart rate variability, you've got uh, rough estimates of probably caloric outputs and inputs and et cetera, et cetera. So which ones are these kind of key metrics? We have a big audience that will probably be embracing a lot of technology and they'll be <laughs> using a lot of this data themselves and they'll be very much into, you know, so what are the metrics and how does that manipulate what you then do with them? Uh, hydration status, you talked about microbiota, you know, you, you're measuring that. Is that a routine thing? Is that every four weeks? Is that every six weeks? Saliva testing, blood testing, you know, what are the, what are the key ones there that you're utilizing? So, so for us, it all goes in a cooperation. So if you speak about GPS data, um, they play a role in our 
approaches, but they are um, sports science based. So we were really close with the fitness department and also like bloods, for example, that's the medical department. So in case we are, and that's also like wonderful to see how close we are approaching things in like such a collegial way, how we collaborate together, how close all the departments are, are connect, connected, how we share data, how we share information. And like um, our big thing is like body composition every eight, 10 weeks at the moment. Um, COVID. How, do you measure, how do you measure composition? What tools are you using for that? So there are various ways around. So we are using, it's called an ultrasound technique. Um, that's, um, that's quite a while on the, on the market, but um, 2016, the Olympic Committee, there was like a specific body composition working committee. They have um, updated the version and um, that's for us like the benchmark um, to measure body composition. And, um, but that plays a massive role also like for the physicists, for example. So sharing these data. Yep. So if you have a player with an injury, you measure probably more often just to keep on top of like body composition recovery processes making sure the body weight is also fine also is there like a change of the circumference of the specific injured part so there are a lot of things um where we need data as a reference but also data in like for future planning um to and at the end it's always return to play it's um or prepare to play so that's always our our main target Okay, so players with nutritional challenges, should we say? So, so things like an inability to to prepare their own food, because you know, once they leave the training ground, it's all down to them, right? So, so how does that, you know, how do you manage that? How do you look at that? You know, because this is this is like people who work nine to five, right? They go into the city, you know, you can kind of control where they're going to go to eat, because you know, there'll be a certain place they go at lunchtime, so you then go right these are the best choices you can get from there there's a and there's a pattern there's a behavior right and obviously you said about match days match days are very regimented right you know exactly what you know i remember there was a famous rugby player said he, he he'd always have a bacon roll it was a bizarre <laughs> one he'd always eat like two bacon rolls i think it was about three hours before, and this is a lot of years ago about three hours before a game because it would force him to drink and he'd yeah. hydrate so it was an interesting concept but anyways we we divulged but uh you know how do you how do you manage this stuff outside of the outside of that performance window that you've got them so when they leave the training ground or when somebody leaves work hypothetically you know and they need to go home they need to prep their own food they need to do all that sort of stuff so how how do you support that as a as a you know as the head of nutrition so um when when covid hit um one of our first thing was like what can we do to keep the family safe, to avoid going to the supermarket, but still like keeping their body composition, body weight, all these things right, because no one knew how long this might will take. Yeah. And so more or less overnight, we have established a delivery service. And in the very beginning, I have like Excel sheets and Excel sheets on my kitchen table at home, coordinating like delivery times. And so like you did this all internally. So the delivery was done by... You set up, yeah. it wasn't like, oh, we've, we've recruited a delivery company. You actually did it. No. Yourself. <laughs> okay. no. Um, so um, 
Yeah, so the first couple of years were a bit wild because like every day we send out just simply um, a Word document on like one of our communication platforms. And then now and again, the, the orders dropped in and then orders were changed. And then um, some some place forgot actually um, to drop the order in time. So you're chasing them because you know, they order every day, so they, they need the food. <laughs> and um, so, but then we established quite quickly, um, like an app, so to order digitally, and then that helped massively because our kitchen table was available again. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that that's still available. So we're still having our wonderful delivery service, but we also have, um, we call it the overnight fridge. Yeah. So. Uh, when you're on your way out, you could actually choose like a little snack. Um, so it always depends when when you train, because when you train at 11, for example, then lunch is provided, um, but you might live alone. So you might be really happy taking a couple of fruits or like um, a snack or probably just something to heat up for the evening out of the overnight fridge. Um, well, when we train at four, so there's lunch, snack, dinner available anyway so then you're probably almost sorted towards that um so these are the two main approaches but also in our education process we have like shopping trips especially with younger players so okay. we have a lot of transition players um they're moving out of the house parents or um they are selected to train with us and they are just moving into an apartment on their own but also we have a lot of players on loan. They sometimes live them for three, six months in a hotel room based on the circumstances. So um, these are key targets um, to actually improve like their skill set around shopping, knowing how to make a quick breakfast, an overnight pot um, with oats and all these things. So, um, and also what are you doing when you're in a hotel room? So what are easy and quick things you can do without needing like a massive full equipped kitchen yeah yeah so the, these overnight things they these like ready prepared meals that, that the chefs put together and go look you just grab one on your way out if you if you want one with a variety of you know it's almost like leaving marks and spencers with a you know you you've got the big counter with the all the, the array of things but but obviously the 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 precision balanced and they've got everything that you want in them and what the players need and things like this so it's a it's a fascinating. I mean, to to do that yourself is is a big and develop an app and blah blah blah. That's that's shifting. That's moving because it's you know these things are logistically it's, it's logistics, right? It's a, it's it's a challenge to get this. And how many how many players are in the squad? So how many people are you managing at any one point? Here? Um. So our squad, so match day squad, is normally between twenty one and twenty three. So. But that's probably down to specific football regulations, I believe. Um, but normally we probably have around on a preseason we have probably around thirty-five, something like that. Um, but there is a lot of development players in there yeah. as well. But um, they are also massively important for us because um, for them it's all it's nervous, it's all new, yeah. um, playing for the big boys and all these bits. So. Um, in that context, it's, it's very, very important for us to take care of, of them as well. Also, like, observing a tiny bit, are they nervous? Are they not hungry because of being nervous or a bit shy or all these things? So um, that's 
that's really, really important for us. Uh, but normally uh, 35, around 35 players, and then um, I think probably around, probably a couple of more uh, member of staff. Of course, because you've, you've, you've also got the, the, the staff, right? I guess your staff alone, there's, there's going to be quite a few, right? You know, so there's, there's everybody that you feed and you're not just feeding, I guess, the, 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 the 20 odd squad players and then the 30 odd that, that come to the training ground. And then you've got the academy, you've got all these, you know, it's a massive operation. It's a massive operation and it would not be possible without like this massive team approach and, and the help um, of Anfield as well, of Paul and Steve and Phil and all these like fantastic guys. They, uh, they are always there and always supportive. And um, Tim, the head chef in Anfield is also like a massive support for us because we can sometimes share like bulk deliveries if it's like a specific product. And um, at the moment, it's not so easy to bring things in, into the country based on like um, Brexit situation. So um, logistically, sometimes we need to be clever around things. Um, but um, as a team, we always get it sorted. Always get it figured out. Yeah, you know, it's a, I mean it, it, it's a, it's an enormous uh, you know field. Is there a is there a, like a almost like a player specific demand where you get and 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 again I don't want to talk about specific players, but but is there you know obviously you have got individuals right? So you have got individuals who like particular types of cuisine and things like this. And do you do you, do you accommodate that? So if you've got somebody who goes, look, I like this particular type of food or this particular type of food, is there is there that level of options in there for 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 players? Um, so from a food perspective, there is only that much what you can do. So if you take oh. a potato, we can only so we can mash the potato, we can fry it, we can bake it, we can we can boil it. So from a natural point of view, there is a restriction towards things. And then we put our performance nutrition things in there. So like the cream thing and the fat and the deep fry and, and all these bits. So therefore for us, it's also so important to go all around the globe, all around the world and bring like different varieties of food. in. so if it's like um, a Thai um, base touch or sometimes like more Chinese thing and that I don't mean like the normal Chinese yeah, yeah. Uh, what you probably would get here uh, at the chippies so uh, and that helps us massively to keep it so interesting so even was like um, the Brazilian touch or the Portuguese touch of, yeah. of things so if you break it down the culinary world is like endless and if we put these things together with our limitations towards, like when we look at pasta, there's pasta, tortellini, gnocchi. And then there's probably a couple of different types of pasta versions around. But that's it. Rice. Well, we have different types of rice. There's a risotto rice, there's a borio, there's this, there's a little, little. Um, yeah. So finding this combination helps us so, so much to keep it interesting and also... The presentation so sometimes a thing in a bamboo basket can look so amazing and appealing isn't it um and we deal with a clientele our boys our players they can afford anything if they want it so yeah. um and therefore i think that plays also massively into we need to keep on top of that we need to stay um, interesting in our approaches, um, bringing always like a couple of new things and just to not get bored, just to not get too in too much of a routine. Um, yeah, and 
therefore going all around the world and looking all at all these different produce and uh, innovations and everything what is out there that's yeah that helps us massively to do what we do day in day out and uh, you know i guess that's a you know that's the joy of you know football in many respects right it's 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 a multitude of cultures now all brought together under one roof whereas you know english football probably 20 years ago you'd you'd have you know the majority of players were probably from the uk and they were probably quite happy with fish and chips and roast beef <laughs> dinners on a sunday so sorry i'm, I'm largely stereotyping there pies and things like this but uh <laughs> but it's it, i guess it's you know the the whole sort of overlying thing here and again it's stuff that you touch on in your book which we'll talk about in a second is this whole variety and again I, I, you know it, i sometimes hear sort of mention these things because then people go well yeah but what is variety and how do we do that but the fact is that you're looking at performance here and, and one of the big things that you kind of mentioned is the fact that you look at produce from around the world you're wide open to we can source food in its you know iterations and i think you summarized you know some stuff really well there in that you know there's only so many things you can do to potato and then you've got the variety of potatoes that are out there you know you've got starches you've got you know rice there's only so many variants there's pasta there's only so many variants but you can do these interesting things that make them look palatable and, and also the presentation you mentioned there which i think is a massive thing right you can make something that's relatively boring look actually quite interesting. I mean, they've been doing it for years with chicken, right? They take a bog standard chicken breast and put some sear marks in it. And people are like, oh, that looks tasty. And, it, you know, rather than just a piece of boiled chicken, they, they put some sear marks in it. It doesn't change the flavor whatsoever. It's just it looks more presentable, right? And they've been doing it with produce, you know, for years. They, they do things to produce to make it look more palatable and more interesting, don't they? You know, they, they present it in different ways and, and all these different things. So, I mean, it, it, it's an incredible kind of a holistic approach and the dynamic and the, the logistics of what you're dealing with there is, is fascinating because it's a, you know, it's a big operation, right? And it's, it, you know, you've got to do so much there. So let's, let's just touch on your book because, because it's an interesting read. Let me just grab it. Because I think it's the first nutrition book I've ever read by a head of nutrition at a football club. <laughs> in fact it might be the only book out there is it i believe so um i, I don't think I, and i've read a good amount of nutrition books i don't <laughs> think i've ever read one by a, a head of nutrition at a sports franchise club whatever it might be and, and normally you would have expected these from you know the us or whatever it might be in american football or you know something like this where sports science and obviously nutrition and things like this have been apparently taken a lot more seriously than, than they have. I, I think European football is actually overtaking a lot of these. It was, you know, back in my day, there was about two sports scientists at two clubs, I think, when, when, <laughs> I, first, when I first graduated, the, the job opportunities were non-existent. It was, so so it, it relatively new. So a taste of the Liverpool way recipe for success. It, this is the first time I've ever held a book like I'm promoting it. Because <laughs> I, I am promoting it. Because it's a, it's a great it's a great read and it's a fairly epic read as well. It's I'm about three quarters of the way through it, I'll be honest. I haven't finished it. But, uh, and, and on the front, you've got that quote that I mentioned before where, you know, Jurgen Klopp has said, you know, you're one of his most important signings, which is a hell of a statement. You know, you know, you, know, you look at the, the, the Ballon d'Or was last night. You've got all these incredible signings that a club such as Liverpool and has the pedigree of Liverpool have had. And he mentions that the head of nutrition yourself is one of his most important signings. And I mean, that must, that must be incredible for you. And also for the players to sort of look at you and go, wow, 
this is somebody who's hugely respected. And I, I guess that kind of carries over into, they listen to you, right? Which is a hugely important part, right? You know, so, so tell me about the book. How did you, where did this start? How did you start thinking, I'm going to write a book about this? It, it's a it's an amazing story because um, it was my first preseason in 2016 and um, we traveled to the west coast of, of America and um, it was like a couple of days in the camp and um, well I was brand new there and then um, now now I've, I've really settled and it's like wonderful but like when you when you change from one club to the other and you move country as well and then um you're only here for two three days and then you fly directly to to the us and um like finding your way in the operation and trying to make a statement already around let the buffet speak and um so and that was one of these wonderful evenings normally we meet um after all our shifts when we have finished just for a little update um, to bring everyone up to speed, where we up to, is there anything for tomorrow, what needs to be organized, all these things. And there was this unique and amazing group of like Jürgen sitting there, our, our owners, um, one of our owners, Mike Owen was sitting there, uh, Billy Hogan sitting there, a really unique and powerful group of, of wonderful people. And um, they've invited me and said, oh, I want to tell us how you're doing, how's it going? And we just had like such an amazing communication, amazing chat around things. And um, there was so much good energy around those, around nutrition, what can we do? And then this book thing popped up and we all just said, oh, let's write a book. Oh, wouldn't, would that not be amazing to write a book? So, and about um, four and a half years, five years later, the book is there. And, um, so there was an idea, the idea was parked in, in the drawer till like last year in February. And then we put the idea back out and um, we started working together. Um, and um, yeah, there were lovely people involved, like the publisher Reach Squad, fantastic. I had weekly calls with Dave, uh, who was supporting in the writing process, and it, there was such a good energy around. So that book just came so quick and naturally. Um, our German agent um, who has helped towards getting like like all the legal and contract sites and all these bits ready with, with our colleagues here at LFC. And, um, it was so effortless um, and it was so enjoyable to do it. And also um, we are really, really proud um, to communicate and publish information, uh, what we want to share. Um, and when we started to think about the details of the book, um, we always said, this book should be for kids and fans. And the idea behind this is because it should be for every age group. Everyone should, should feel empowered. And that's why we try to make it so colorful and so many infographics so that even like a good night story from dad to son or mom and daughter or whatever. So, um, and it should deliver like lovely information what is not like, um, so you don't and you shouldn't and this is not okay and so yeah, it's yeah, more yeah. like the, this positivity and like oh let's just do it and I, I mean it's such a it's it's such an influential position to be in right is that is that you know what again you know you'll know better than i do but average number of fans that attend a game what is it like 
you know? How uh, at the moment, we have 54,000 in the stadium. Right, in the yeah. stadium. And then you've got, you know, millions elsewhere, right? And in such an influential position as a club to, to, to put out information or to, 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 to put out knowledge. And I don't think I've seen a club do this before where it's, you know, the, they've gone, right, we're going to tell you what happens kind of behind the scenes. And we're going to do that in a way that, that you know, like you said, kids are going to be interested, parents are going to be interested, family's going to be interested. There's going to be a lot of people with, you know, young, young kids who are very good footballers who are going to be like, oh, hold on, you know, we probably need to take this on board and start to think about this now. And it's that, that, that thing that you said about that carried over from five years of educating and that starts to slowly filter through and you start to get that. There is no question mark over anything. It's just, this is the way we do it. This is the culture that we've created and culture takes a long time. And, and, and I guess you came into Liverpool with, there wasn't a nutritional culture or was there? I don't know. You know, was there, was there a bit of a nutritional culture when you got there? Oh, there was definitely. And um, it was fascinating to see how much good knowledge was there already. So it was not the point that we started completely from scratch. Um, so, but what helped a lot is like that it was not a thing where you think, oh, nutrition, what are we doing now? So there was a massive interest. There was a massive demand on like um, support questions, also like um, getting things right. So for example, as we touched on before, hydration. Um, so that was also a thing for us in the book. So all the chapters we, we are touching on and they are based on an experience what we have gained. So we know how important hydration is. So if we are not hydrated enough, our performance levels will just go down, headaches and feel a little bit tired and all, all these things. So, and that's the same for everyone. For a child goes to school, child goes into football training. For, for us, um, traveling to work, being on the tube, whatever. Um, and it's so important for us to provide just this lovely ideas and tips and tricks behind what you can do. So how you can flavor your water naturally without any additional calories and sugars and, and, and all these things. So um, to empower people just to, to be creative around nutrition, but also um, to said before, um, to provide all this variety of foods and all these things, but sustainability still plays a massive role. So foods from all over the world is so important for us, but we also trying to touch really on like regional products, seasonal products, just around the Northwest, like little suppliers, um, buy local as much as we can, um, home growing our allotment, um, our LFC allotment, um, there's well, an LFC allotment. Yeah, there is. Amazing. There is, yeah, yeah, there is. Um, so Corona was not super helpful, um, place that no one could really go there and work there. But the years before, we had, there are amazing pictures in the book where like our academy players are going there for life skills. Um, so in, in that they don't only have like this nutritional education, they have also proper life skill education, changing tire or things. So what do you need to learn life and um yeah so sometimes just dig in some beds around in the allotment just not to make them hard work but just for a life skill setting and um then harvesting some crops and then putting like the barbecue on and just grilling some vegetables there and um 
so these are all yeah that makes us so 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 happy and also sharing um our happiness around exactly these bits and empowering people so not everyone will have an allotment or a big garden but everyone has a windowsill so um little types of crests and all these things and that's what we're trying to do or even just a couple of herbs so fresh herbs for seasoning to avoid too much salt and like all these pre-made spice mixtures so that's what we try and to to communicate and and also to look after our planet um, in in that context and um, review carefully how things are coming on your plate. It's it's a surprising read, I think would be the way that I would an unexpected read. I think would be the best descriptor because it you know your overview of it there. It's not what you expect. I kind of expected, I thought, right, this is going to be the regimen of what a professional club does with the players, you know, what, you know, there'll be a couple of recipes thrown in there and, you know, this, and you kind of expect that, which was kind of wrong me, but obviously we've only just met and, and, you know, you, you expect that almost hardcore nutritional approach of this is what you can eat. This is what you can't eat. This is what you must eat. This is what you mustn't eat. And I, and I think, you know, you and me both have, done this long enough to to realize that that approach just doesn't work and probably never will well no it, there's no probable it never will and and then there's there's also the the aspect of talking about produce talking about regional and talking about supporting you know and i think coronavirus has, has kind of pinpointed that as to you know local produce is a big thing and especially you know coming from the north it was you know, there's a lot of farms about, there's a lot of farmers, a lot of people, you know, creating great produce, you know, butchers, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, you know, it, it is a, it is a really good read. I will get it finished. Uh, but it's, it, it is quite comprehensive. It's, it, it wasn't what I, I expected it to be about half that size when, when it came with the post, I was like, that's actually quite a large book, but it's uh but it's a great read and we'll put in the links as to, to where people can grab that. Uh, but it's available pretty much everywhere, isn't it? And uh, and and how are book sales going? Have you had a big uptake? Yeah, it's, it's going really, really well. And um, there are going to be another signing session on the seventeenth of December okay. um, in the in our Liverpool shop, in our fan shop at in at the Liverpool one. And I think what is also very, very amazing to see is um, that people expect a different book or different content in, in, in the book. I think they will, yeah. Um, so most of the people are expecting a cookbook, um, but it's it's not. It's um, something completely different. Uh, it's a storytelling book about nutrition with a lot of input of our wonderful players, uh, food around all the globe, um, combining theory, practical approaches, a tiny bit of science, but easy to understand, easy to digest, and uh, probably just a perfect Christmas present. Yeah, yeah. So 17th of December, Liverpool Club Shop. Yes. Uh, Liverpool Club Shop. So you'll be there doing a signing and uh, probably answering lots of questions about sugars. Yeah, not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, I mean, we could go on forever. I mean, there's there's so many topics we could go down. And I'd actually love to dig into the the, the science and the background and, and, and everything else. But but obviously, they, they, there's a million rabbit holes there that we could we could talk about. But I know you've got a very big, busy schedule, so I just want to say thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us. 
it's been it's been wonderful to get the insight and understanding of of what you do there because it's an incredible role. Phil, my pleasure. Absolutely amazing to meet you. Wonderful, seventy five minutes. Um, hope to meet you in person really really soon. Yeah, no, it'd be super cool. Well, thank you so much. Thank and, you. Uh, we'll say goodbye for now, and uh, thanks once again for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Have All a right. lovely day. Bye bye. Bye bye. If you enjoyed the podcast, click subscribe and please leave a review and thank you for listening.